You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Podcast. This is a bi-international, bi-international American history podcast, where each week I read a story from American history to me amigo. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Dave, your name is Dave Anthony. You forgot to say that part. You're all... Uh, I'm Dave Anthony. That's all right. I got you. Of the Dollop Podcast. Yeah, we got that part. We're good. Um, this is a each week. No, no, no. We've already done this part in, in, in its entirety, so we don't need to do that anymore. You just kind of messed it up, so I was just kind of... But the, you're, what, you're doing very, now is, what you're doing now is messing it up further. So just it's very complicated. That's the problem. It's is that very it's, uh, straightforward, and it's been done a lot. It's I've done it like three times. No, sir. And it's hard. It's easy to get easy down. To do. If you know what get I mean, get down. Hard to get easy down. Easy to get down. So we're getting down right now. That's what I would call this. <laughs> I, um, I... I have half a mind <laughs> to just literally close my computer. <laughs> Jesus, I don't even want to talk to me. This I mean, horrible. yeah, like imagine being me. <laughs> it's terrible. I feel it's sorry for you. It's a nightmare. It's every a, fucking week you do this. It's a prison. Oh, it's like talking to someone's seventy-year-old dad. It's not good. <laughs> it's just some weird dude who shows up with stories he wants to tell me. I mean, it's like a weird <laughs> circumstance. <laughs> And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait, is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room's a Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo! No sleep tell hippo! Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. <laughs> no. Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. This is our first. Cross. This is the first time incorporated. It's an international flavor, yes. this episode. Yes. Yes, because we have two guests who, uh, who, in the craziest way I think ever, <laughs> I met, I met them. I met a couple of guys in uh, a couple of Mexican dudes, comedians, uh, when I was uh, talking to another guy at a bar in Wisconsin. You know, natural stuff. Yep. How podcasts um, start. So uh, <laughs> these two gentlemen uh, do a a podcast in Mexico that is very very popular. Um, so you can actually listen to it in America because that's how podcasts work. And uh, it's the the English translation is Legendary Legends. Uh, and uh, they are very funny. And they also do the Spanish version of the dollop. Um, and uh, big fans, people, I can't, I don't understand what they're saying on El Dollop, but the people who do understand both languages tell me it's very good. Very big fans. <laughs> uh, so uh, I would like to welcome Eduardo Espinoza and Jose Antonio Badia. Welcome, hey, yeah. guys. Buenas tardes. Just imagine Buenas. a lot of applause. Yeah, that's yes. that's fine. We, we don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> Someday, uh, someday when we're all uh, able to travel the earth, which I think will be in like 2030, 
Right. Uh, we'll do a live show together, right? That'll be yeah. yeah. And then oh, we'll yeah. go out to a bar and we'll meet some people and they'll the, start the podcast in another country. The next generation of yeah, dollops. Next, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dollop Jr. The dollop now in Mandarin. Yeah, finally. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be uh, amazing. Man. I'll sit in for that one and just do a Scottish accent every 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> that work? Are they, what are you talking about? It's been very unclear. <laughs> I've never wanted to learn Spanish more now that you guys do the podcast. It would be hilarious if I if I finally got around to learning because I would a little bit, but I finally got to learning and I just hear them going, "Fuck, Dave's a fucking piece of shit." Dave, <laughs> Dave, you know what we got to do? We have to learn Spanish fluently and then start the dollop in Spanish. <laughs> 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 just the craziest. But you guys are like, "What the fuck is going on there?" <laughs> These are out of their minds. Uh... <laughs> All right. Uh, should we just start the way we usually do? Or we? Uh, yeah. If I, you know, I'm. Oh. I'm. There's a lot of uh, Spanish words in here, so if I fuck up, please. Spanish names. I'll, I mean. I'll jump. Oh yeah. Well, then you should have gotten somebody else because he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to speak <laughs> Spanish either. So that's, that's my problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we're among <laughs> friends here. I think. Yeah. We'll pair off nicely. <laughs> Between June 10th and June 24th, 1864. Okay. Wait, is that, a two, is that a two-week window? Did you just get Yeah, us? we don't know. We don't know the okay. exact date. We don't sure. know. Uh, William Henry was born in Texas. His yeah. father was Charles. His mother was Margaret. Uh, they were uh, slaves. Okay. So that's why uh, we don't know the exact date because people okay. tended not to write that stuff down. Right. After the Civil War good, in 1865. Good, good, peop- good, good people, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, were just saving on paper. You know, they they were earth conscious. <laughs> it's, it's fine. That's, great. that's That's what the whites have always been like that. You're exactly right. <laughs> Priorities, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But so a year later, they got to choose their last names because they were freed and uh, they chose Ellis. Now, William Henry was now William Henry Ellis, and Ellis was probably chosen because there was an ex-white overseer on a previous slave uh, plantation, and he clearly had probably been the parent of the kids. Oh, okay. Of the, yeah, the previous kids. The, right. His, his parent, his mom, I think. So uh, William's grandfather, white guy, and William is very, very light-skinned. So okay. he he's uh, raised in Victoria County, which is kind of the blurred line at that point between the U.S. and Mexico, as we're calling it. No okay. longer a blurred line, by the way. Very. Uh, actually, I think we'll all agree a beautiful wall now exists there. That <laughs> it's is gorgeous. It's, it's it weird. Is... You know, before the wall was there, you just sometimes you would wake up and the like the border would move on its own. So yep. it's really it's really nice yeah. that you know the last guy just really defined it well. Yeah, you would it... you would go for groceries and oh my god, I'm in another country. Yeah. Maybe if there was a wall, this wouldn't happen to me. Yes, and we've been very safe and clear with the wall. It's gold. From what I hear, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the you lovely brown color of gold. It's that beautiful, <laughs> shitty gold hue that we've grown to really embrace here. I think the French I call guess. that color rost. Yeah. And, and I would like to right now thank you, uh, you you and your country for paying for it. Thank you very yes, much. For also, for yes, also, yes. Uh, how foolish of us. Really no problem. Cool. I mean. Really cool. Yeah. It's you get, you get the, the next, next one. one yeah. yeah, you get the next one. Next, I, we insist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
<laughs> so, uh, so there's obviously there's black people there. There's white people and uh, Tejanos, which uh, for those of you who are like in Australia, that is a, a basically a Mexican American, right? A, a, an American, but with a, well, actually, Tejanos is you know you're from Texas. So that's yeah, just the Spanish way of saying Texan. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so white, uh, white Texians worried about race mixing. Cause I, they probably still do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say your, your <laughs> tense, your tense needs to be adjusted. <laughs> oh, they bad. don't anymore. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> well, after slavery ended, they were really worried about it. Cause they thought if blacks became equal, then whites and blacks would start marrying and making babies. So obviously, right. you know, uh, you can't have that happen. So they pointed to Mexico, which was at the at the time in political turmoil, and they said, "Well, that's the also." I mean, what, not- what do you mean at the time? Like at what time <laughs> has it been? Yeah, yeah. So let me take you back. So this is an era where Mexicans' political system was in turmoil, and white people in Texas had an aversion to uh, to race relations. It was very oh, Tuesday. Bizarre. Got it. Yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, the reason that Mexico is in political turmoil is because um, is because they're 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 not pure. Uh, they're not a pure, uh, you know, blood or whatever. Wait, White? what? I don't know. What does that mean? They're saying oh, they're okay, right. they're mixed race people. They didn't they didn't keep it together. No. They started <laughs> fucking other people. The mestizos, yeah. The, right. we, we, you know, the Spaniards came over, and all the the natives were like, "Oh, let's have sex with these guys. We can't. Yay, this is gonna be fun." <laughs> and then, then, and then, then the, the whites, then the whites showed up to the party. <laughs> That's right. Whites from every corner of the ocean. Excuse me. The ocean squared. Looks like you people are having fun. Let's just oh, yeah, uh, join in. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. We'll be the only ones. We're not joining. We will remove it. Oh, other. it is ours. It's an actually oh, but, it's a commodity. But I brought all these apples. Well, they're my apples. Thank you. And you get none. <laughs> okay, so yes. yours. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay, senor. That was the yeah. <laughs> that was the response. Yeah. Okay, senor. All right. Well, here we go. Yeah. Uh, so Senator Bayard of Delaware is an example. He said Mexico was a quote doomed and blasted country. Mongrelism, the mixing of bloods of different races has destroyed it. And you no longer have a race there fit or worthy or capable of sustaining themselves under a government of law or protecting themselves (laughs) in their persons and properties as a civilized nation. We get it. You jerk off. Good Lord. Did it have to be that long? (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Yeah. So also, by the way, anyone from Delaware shitting on anywhere is a red flag. Oh yeah. (laughs) Come on, Delaware. Yeah, have you heard of Delaware? They've uh, got a Ferris wheel. All right, Delaware. Let's just... <laughs> so well, they got a punch named after them. There's a beverage. I don't think you guys have it in America, but it's called Delaware Punch. And it's really? probably, yeah, it's the shittiest drink ever. It's like just <laughs> sugar and colors. Yeah, it's just sugar and purple coloring. <laughs> and for some That's... reason, they make it in Guatemala. It's, it's fucking weird. All right. That's our that national is... drink. <laughs> That's uh, that is that is very fitting of Delaware. I used to drink Delaware punch when I was a kid. I oh, OK. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Uh, well, I'm from California, so you're from Wisconsin. So I was probably a little closer to the Guadalajara 
drink situation. Sure. That's fair. That so happen. William William ends up going to school. Uh, he also somewhere along the way picked up Spanish and became fluent in Spanish. He probably picked it up because he was in the summer work on crops. Uh, with yeah, it's workers. contagious there. <laughs> <laughs> like so a Mexican will bite you to start saying, hey, quiero tacos. Hey, it's, it's Juan, weird. Está yeah. ¿Todo bien? ¿Todo bien? Honey, something happened at work tonight and I'm a little... Uh, a Mexican bit me. If I start fucking Spanish, I will have turned. I need some tacos. Now. I mean, I mean nothing. Mac and cheese will be fine. I mean, quickly, give me the tacos. Uh, uh, must fight. Uh, so, la sienta, señor. So he, pro- he, he probably became fluent in Spanish because... Sometimes ex-slaves would be mistaken for Mexicans if they had a, a lighter skin. And he probably realized this was a way to pass a little bit as a, a not being a black guy. Oh, right. Um, so uh, in the 70s and 80s, he, every Ellis in the family, and he, they were all listed as mulatto on their, um, on their birth certificate. So in 1884, General Profirio Diaz overtook Mexico. So he's in control. He's going to rule Mexico for decades. Uh, his rule is known as the Porfiriato uh, period. Yes, our first invited- dictatorship. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so he invites in tons of foreign investment and American corporations rush in and railroads are built. Railroads reach Victoria. So Williams, and he's 18, Railroads open up there, and it's a huge deal because now freed slaves, they can now travel the country because of railroads. They can, they can travel everywhere. It's a huge deal. Uh, and we know that William at this point did pass as a Mexican guy on trains, which means you sit in the front of the train, right? So now he's Guillermo. He's no longer William. That's great. Oh, my God. You, you can see the future of this episode. So <laughs> uh, Not the only one. so to pass uh to pass as a a, as someone who is not black whether it be mexican or cuban or whatever you're gonna say you are um no one from your your life or your past could be there right you had to move yourself away from all the people in your past life so obviously oh it's like moving to a new high school so that you can become popular yeah oh yeah yeah i relate yeah like when you go to college and you're like i'm going by my middle name fuck it (laughs) it's a new me hi i'm not a dork i was Uh, never a dork uh, (laughs) that'll work (laughs) so i am not a dork What's everyone having for lunch tomorrow? Guys, guys, guys. I don't know, but you're paying. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I would never play a wizard in D&D. That is dumb. Be a bard. So, so, uh, so obviously in his home in Victoria County, that's hard. And so, uh, William gets a job in Victoria uh, with high, a hide dealer and he learns the trade of hide dealing and he, and doing that he goes on business trips to Mexico and probably worked as a translator for this guy now most Americans are leery of doing business in Mexico at this time not now and <laughs> <laughs> Ellis Ellis sees an opportunity so he starts doing business on his own with Mexicans and pretty soon he's saved like several thousand dollars okay all right 
So then he moves to San Antonio and opens up his own business as a hide dealer uh, at wool and cotton. And he puts a full, full page announcement in the paper. He tells everyone he was a Mexican American and his name was Guillermo Enrique Alicio. Of oh, course. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. El Kike. Yep. Guillermo Enrique. You got to roll the R, man. It's Enrique. That's, oh, yeah. I'm here for this I, lesson. <laughs> I've tried to roll my R's since high school. Well, and, Dave, uh, Dave, now is a good opportunity to try for real. Give it a shot. Yeah. Oh boy, that sounded like Roy. Orbison are you okay? Yeah. Out. Yeah. Guillermo <laughs> like, Enrique. Which one are you? Enrique? Is that the one I'm doing? Or Enrique? Yeah. Enrique. 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 Huh? Yeah. 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 Way better. All right. It's better, but not great. So it's not good. Uh, because <laughs> every time I get to the R, I have to think about it. It slows down the whole the whole <laughs> the, the word. It, my name is in <laughs> better, warmer. So uh, William Ellis, he said, was his translation for uh, uh, the whites in Texas, so that they would feel more comfortable and understand him. So he. And then he starts hanging out in the exclusive joints. He is at the Menger Hotel, which is the fancy place where all the deals are made. Now, uh, white Texans at this point, they assess race using their uh, what they consider common sense. So, oh, oh, that. oh, okay, oh. <laughs> oh, good, oh, good. Oh, that I was worried was... they had a like a, like an actual method. I was yeah. worried that, like a swatch, <laughs> no. collar swatch or something. No, like that would be, swatch. Swatches would be great. We should. I mean, I won't get there. <laughs> No, but for now, we'll just let the old Texan race radar do its work. If you are darker than this horse, then you must leave. Excuse this me, is friend. our swatch horse. Can you come stand next to the horse? You're, you're free to go inside. I'm sorry, sir. So as one guy said, quote, our southern high-bred people will never tolerate, tolerate on equal terms any person who is even remotely tainted with Negro blood, they do not make the same objection to other brown or dark-skinned people like the Spanish or Cubans. I love how he doesn't put Mexicans in there. He's like, you know, like the Spanish or Cubans, not the... <laughs> yeah, so, right. That is so the thing just... that... The speci- it, okay, go. It is this, yeah. Again, the specificity of the racism, it is crazy. Oh, no, it's crazy. We'll get into it. So it, it's oh, basically, it's not just the color of skin, but also social standing, reputation voice, feet, hair, like fucking everything. They like a sense of skills. All right. We're going to need to see those feet dancing from the top, (laughs) gentlemen, two, three, four. And that is not a square. You're out. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So they, they just look at it and then they go, okay. Yeah. So now I don't like you. Like that's how they, they figure it out. Right. So, and then once a person's race is defined in the town or by the, the, you know, the people in the community or whatever, then it's hard to change it. So if you're like passing as a white guy and then you're accused of being black, well, that's terrible. And then the person being accused can sue the other person for slander. So it really can't be proven in court. So once you're sort of labeled, then everyone's leery to accuse you of being black. So it's like everyone makes this decision and then no one wants to go back on it. Wait, and then uh, how do they prove it? I mean, do do they drop you in the river and if you float, you're black? How does that work? (laughs) I mean, the idea of taking the Russian dash cam movement and turning that into how you judge race is 
Well, yeah, and uh, I'm sure it happened the other way too, where people who weren't black were then judges being black. But there's not really record keeping like we would want. And also, this is why you don't fucking want record keeping on top of that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's this weird way of obviously doing it. So, sure. uh, and, yeah, like I said, it can't be proven in court, like you said, and people are there to do it. Plus, once you have treated a black guy like a white guy then you don't want to admit you've been duped. <laughs> I mean, right? Seriously sounds like cooties in middle school. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. No, it's completely insane. And so, and so you end up in situations where, where white, a guy who's passed and then they realize, oh my God, he's actually black, but then they don't want to admit it because they've been hanging out with him. And so like, no, he's not black. So it's just this whole... <laughs> The, so I mean, you're I can't like selfish racism is, is like feels redundant, but that's what it's like. Somehow they found a new wrinkle where they're like, but we can't admit that we were wrong about his race because do you understand? It's a slippery slope. It's like, hey, meet my friend. He's black. No, he's not. He is black. Yeah, I'm the one who defines that, not you, yes. not him. Yes. I do. It's up to me to decide. <laughs> We're sticking to it. Uh, so, so he meets and he connects with people. He gets into Republican politics. Uh, in 1888 at 24, he gives a big speech promoting the building of a black Baptist schoolhouse. And William's a really good speaker and he's very charismatic. Uh, he soon moves up in the Texas, Texas Republican party. And he's nominated as a Republican candidate for the 83rd district, which is Victoria. Wow. So newspapers described him as, quote, Mexican Ellis. Wow. Cool. I mean. <laughs> that's what we, that's just how we do it here. Sure. Yep. Editor um, looked at that and went, yeah, all right, we're good to go. <laughs> print it? That's, print it. Print a bunch of them. That's fine. Uh, and a, a racist cartoon next to it. Wait, yeah, before you print it. Uh, quickly. Get it <laughs> out. A big quickly. mustache and then. And a burrito in his hand. Yes. <laughs> you know the usual stuff. Just throw that in the mix. Uh, but that starts to wear off uh, as the campaign goes on. And then after a little while, he is called, quote, a colored aspirant for legislative honors. So now they're starting to be like, so what happened is, is he's running in Victoria. Like he's moved to San Antonio where nobody knows him. But now he's now the people who knew him he grew up with are like, wait a minute. So, uh, OK, the news is starting to find out. People know who he is in Victoria. But like clearly saying, those oh. couldn't those couldn't be people who had defined his race prior to that as something different because then they would be associated with a race that they're not, which is bad if you're white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. We're gonna need a diagram. Yeah, yeah. I have so, I have one with yarn on my wall I'm working with here. I'll take a picture. So he ends up losing he ends up losing, right? The uh, Okay the race and many and then he realizes I, I can't do this and he slowly backs away from uh politics and the republican party but then he gets into this new movement which is this guy henry turner who is trying to get black people to move out of america and emigrate to liberia so it's like black people are never gonna get a fair shake in america i know this sounds crazy now obviously but this is a long time ago but black people are never getting a fair shake in america so we should get the fuck out and just start our uh, start over again somewhere where we can be treated as equal people. 
And so Liberia was his choice. Uh, and, and William, he gets, he gets in with this guy and he right. likes the idea of emigrating, but he's like, I would rather Was it emigrate. his first choice or? <laughs> to emigrate or, yeah. or Liberia? Well, he is, he, he well, does was like Li- the idea. Of, was Liberia's first? No. So his, his choice, he thinks a better idea is Mexico. He goes to Mexico City and he's got some letters of introduction that he gets and he meets General uh, Pacheco, who gives him a 10-year contract to colonize up to 20,000 black people in Mexico. What? How does that what? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> but everyone's was that that diagram again? <laughs> well, because everything was nothing was normal, but then how who how? What the fuck did you just say? Say it again. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so this, so the leader in Mexico, this dictator, Diaz, he, he's trying to get all this American, um, you know, infusion of cash and whatever. And then there's this huge force of laborers in America who are good at farming because they were slaves. Right. And their thinking is, well, these this these people could come down here and turn a section of Mexico into a well-farmed, you know, place and sort of create create that industry in that area. That's okay. what they're thinking. Oh, okay. okay. So like a reverse now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's called a one. so he's gonna he's obviously gonna get some money from doing this and uh and he and the the contract is to bring what two thousand people a year down and colonize them now it's it's not a great place uh i think it's oaxa is that the right oh i I didn't write it down oaxaca oaxaca Oaxaca. so it's a place it's a place in mexico where at the time a lot of uh you know diseases and stuff the tropics and um, it's a jungle big jungle in the south and there are jaguars and stuff yeah and so they, it couldn't be no one at this point had figured out how to how to farm it and turn it into farmland so they're like what about black guys that's basically what's happening <laughs> uh, i i'm sure the pitch is so vastly different from the jaguar jungle pitch i <laughs> <laughs> love it they got a bed bath and beyond you guys are gonna freak out Phenomenal. And so already hundreds of black families just hearing about it are like, yeah, I want to get the fuck out of Texas. Absolutely. Let's I mean, go. It Let's says, go. I guarantee if you're like saying so like, so there's an opportunity for you to move. I don't need to hear anymore. I'll pack right now. Let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here. You seen what they're doing? Uh, Mexico sort of split on it. Um, Slavery is not legal in Mexico at this point, and they're much more uh, accepting of black people than in America. The Mexican legislature fiercely debates it. Senator Jose uh, Maria Cruz, quote, we are going to populate them with a contemptible, abject and degraded race. The Mexicans in these places will be forced to flee. So there's, you know. Okay. No, I mean, you know, we can do it, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, and apparently we'll do it for cheap. (laughs) Uh, So it ends up passing uh, on November 7th, 1889. And then William quickly starts to set up. He sets up a Mexican cotton colonization company 
to sell shares to fund the colony. He puts ads in papers. He starts traveling around the U.S. to pitch the idea. But he doesn't have any money because there's not a lot of VC money in moving black people to Mexico, right? It's not like a thing where people are like, this sounds awesome. So it also puts him back in the public eye. And people point out his previous Republican relationships. The Galveston Daily News, quote, Mr. Ellis is an attractive mulatto, about 30 years of age, and is uh, a prominent in political circles in San Antonio. The Dallas Morning News, quote, he is not a Mexican capitalist. He is rather a shrewd Republican politician. So now the papers are back to like, this is a black guy. Okay. Yeah. No, but I like how the first were like, oh, well, this is a very attractive mulatto guy. He's not really <laughs> a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I, I, would, yeah, I would kiss him, but I wouldn't give him my money. You know, it's. Yeah. He's fantastic. You can't trust him, obviously. <laughs> Good Lord. So by now, thousands of people want to move, and then General Pacheco dies, and the Mexican government immediately cancels the colony contract. Oh, shit. So in, yeah, in 1893, America falls into a depression. Colonization clubs become huge. So there's all these clubs forming around the country of people who want to get the fuck out of America. Which and I Dave, think, oh, where, okay. where, where do you think well, these will start popping up? We, we're going to reboot. We're going to reboot that. I was just going to say, I can see soon. them being pretty as, as popular as Starbucks soon. <laughs> <laughs> so around this time, William was, uh, he was passing. He was refused passage in the whites only sleeper car of a train from Mexico city to Laredo. So he, he actually takes the train from Mexico City, he rides it in the sleeper car, and as soon as it crosses the border, the conductor's like, get the fuck out of the sleeper car. Hey, you're Mexican now. <laughs> <laughs> you're right on the top. You need to get to the top of the yeah. train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this obviously, this is one of the big moments that really affects him. He never forgets being ma- made to go back to the colored car, as it's called. And he, he often travels to Mexico for business. He says he's an American when he's in Mexico, and when he's in America, he says he's... Uh, Mexican or Cuban. I mean, imagine just one getting confused just one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? I'm Mexican. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Oh, shit. Oh, oh fuck. Thought I was in America. <laughs> uh, here it is. Uh, he also told people in Mexico that he was the illegitimate son of a railroad magnate named uh, Collis Huntington. So I love that he, that's like his best story. He's like, you know, I'm uh my mom, my dad fucked another lady. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. so I'm and pretty yeah. hot shit. You know, do you know what a bastard mm-hmm. is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a lucky one. <laughs> uh, so in Mexico City, he completely <clears throat> avoids hanging out with other Americans because there's a there's in Mexico City, there's a place called the American Colony. And they're very sort of I don't know if you know this. Uh, I don't know if this is still true, but Americans keep to themselves and they're pretty racist in their little group. Much more racist than the rest of Mexico City, which is a little more European-ish at the time. They're, they're sort of, there's a little bit of a European fetish going on. All the rich Mexican elite are wearing Parisian fashion and sort of doing that thing. In oh, yeah, they're City. still doing that thing. Like <laughs> 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 You're describing something we call Polanco and Interlomas. That's yep. the, the richest <laughs> areas of, yeah. of, of Mexico City and and the, the, the Estado of Mexico, yeah, that's what they do. They have a European fetish. Yeah, it turns out wherever you are in the world, uh, rich people act the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
So this is where William started. He adopted a, a Parisian look at the time. He starts wearing a frock coat and a top hat. There we go. Finally, <laughs> he's found himself. I, you don't find yourself until the hat is decided on it. When you choose top hat. Right. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the hat defines much, you now. It's like, yeah. oh, well, yeah. And then I put on a pocket watch and found my cane. And yeah. now <laughs> I am complete. Well, if you like put on a top hat, that's like trying heroin. <laughs> it's like you're like look i've taken a huge swing i don't know what the hell else happens here but it's probably there's gonna be yeah. a kerchief at some point <laughs> like right out of the gate you know i think you saw the wrong version of train spotting gareth <laughs> oh no i remember it <laughs> hat spotting <laughs> Uh, so when he would meet americans in mexico he would tell them he was cubans Um, William, quote, Mexico has no race prejudice from a social standpoint. The Negro may occupy any position he is able to fill, and there is no discrimination against him either at hotels or at places of amusements or in public conveyances. Oh, yeah, Um, we took care of that. There is now. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, we will not be left behind. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what are the Americans doing? We're not doing that? Oh, shit. No, we grab. Get on that. Quickly. Uh, So he started hanging out at a British club, and that's where he met a Spaniard who owned a very large hacienda in northern Mexico that needed workers. A hacienda is like a giant plantation type mm-hmm. yep. situation. Right. So um, they're, they're, they were turning 100 acres, uh, sorry, 100,000 acres. More, uh, that's basically, more. Yeah, it's a little bit more. Uh, basically very desert, arid land into farmland using canals and stuff. So it's this big project. Sure. Um, part of a porfirito. If, uh, porfiriato. Porfiriato. <laughs> porfiriato. Don't um, be afraid to roll that R, Dave. It turns me off. I don't know about that. <laughs> Gareth Reynolds. Oh, God. I, Dave, I need to take a five, Dave. Dave, that's the hottest thing. Oh, uh, sorry. My fuck, name with R's. Woo. Wet. Woo. Um, the company <laughs> was called, here we go, Tlaholito. Beautiful. Uh, corporation. In December 11th, 1894, the company signed a contract with, quote, El Señor Guillermo H. Ellis, who would bring 100 colored families experienced in the cultivation of cotton to the hacienda. So he signs this deal with this big farming company to bring in laborers. Okay. And, and um, I mean, is he, like... It is a matter of people want out of America so badly that his job is really just to facilitate that. He doesn't need to do much selling. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. People want the fuck out of America. Right. Okay. And he's getting a cut. He gets a. Uh, it just seems like a weird role for a person to be like, I'm the one who brings, you know what I mean? Like I bring black people to Mexico. That is my job. You know, well, Feels- I mean, it's almost like a legalized coyote in a sense, right? Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or a, a headhunter for right. laborers in a way. Like I mean, it's, it's still a reverse now. We we do that backwards now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> by the way, if someone approached me right now and was like, "You can go to," I'd be like, "Let's go. I'll, I'm ready." <laughs> so he gets a fifty five hundred dollars advance, which is one hundred fifty k today, and wow. then he he you know starts working on hiring people. And in January 1895, his hires arrived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So he hires some guys to go and get people, right? Uh-huh. 
they start holding meetings with black farmers and the communities to discuss this new opportunity. And by January 25th, so it sounds like it's a couple weeks, hundreds of black people pack the railroad depot to okay. get on the quote paradise train to Mexico. Oh my oh, Lord. So, oh, oh my God. Oh, they just yeah. no. heard about being able to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, yes, hundred percent. I would like to start a new paradise train to Mexico. To see I'll ride on the top like Teen Wolf if you run out of room. I'll just get on the roof of it. I don't give I a mean, shit. The thing they call it a carnival cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just friendly advice. If you go to Mexico anytime soon, do not ask for a paradise train. You're going to get some very, very weird. Excuse me, <laughs> very, gentlemen. I know you're in the middle of a conversation. No habla espanol, but I am after the paradise train. <laughs> yeah, your evening's your evening's about to get derailed hard. Uh-huh. All right. It's good to see so many of you standing up. It shows me that there's a real will to solve this. Uh, so yeah, there's just all these people and then white people come down to see what's happening because all the, all the black people in town are getting on a train. Why are they happy? Why are they leaving weight? Excuse me. seems like we should stop this for some reason. And, and the black people, you know, it's like a celebration. They're never coming back and they're acting like it. And Um, the, the white people. The uh, the whites heard, quote, the most open and insulting abuse of the white men of the community. So, so, the, black, so the black people are just Can like, you imagine? I mean, literally, you need a train for your ball bag if you're saying the word abuse and are white in this day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just sitting there yelling all kinds of shit. I'm just, I've never off. been talked to like that before. So white people get scared that all the black people in the South are going to leave for Mexico. They're like, oh, my God, all our black people are going to go. We're going to have to work. Mexico's taking our black people. (laughs) So one guy, one guy that William hired to do this uh, was named Peg Leg Williams. Sure. That's a great name. Yeah. Yep. It's the best name. And Peg Leg Williams was already known in the South. North Carolina had passed a law called the peg leg williams law what it prevented him from taking black workers out of the state so this is like was his <laughs> deal <laughs> would, this was like his thing wow he would, he would mean, try clearly. to lure black <laughs> you were like you want to open the law up because other people we are literally trying to stop peg leg for doing this. seriously yeah i mean he he he's just putting in way so much leg work <laughs> yeah 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 you'd be surprised <laughs> Let's just hope Hook Arm Johnson doesn't get a, the same idea because we don't have a law for him. What we're doing is we're passing laws for people now. It takes forever. <laughs> but that's how we're doing it. <laughs> Whoo. So, and, and then because he was known, uh, William made sure that Pegleg was out in front and sort of the face of the thing, and then he could hide in the shadows. And, and no Pegleg really... was probably like, you know, it's probably not a great idea for me to be so upfront about all this. <laughs> like, no, go, buddy, go. What are they going to? Well, they're like passing laws specifically about me. <laughs> Get up there. <laughs> Just wear pants. Nobody will see the peg leg. Nobody will if know. You wear pants. <laughs> so they. They head to the so they it goes it goes from like Tennessee to Georgia and then through the south uh, and then to the border and then they get on like um, once they get near the hacienda they take little carts and so it's a pretty it's a decent journey sure 
it had only been two months since the contract was signed before all these workers start showing up. Wow. And the company's not ready. They didn't think it was going to happen that fast. So the families are expecting Well, the paradise housing. train don't make U-turns, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So they're expecting housing, right? They're going to build Adobe's for them. And uh, this the workers- is already taking on a real, like, Firefest vibe. <laughs> <laughs> The workers have to live in tents now. Uh, oh some of them their own tents and their own sleeping bags and whatever, their own padding for for weeks. It's the rainy season, oh god! So that's not great. Uh, and I then, think we got on the wrong train to paradise. <laughs> oh, paradise is fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least not Texas. So <laughs> <laughs> right, that even no matter what, you're like, hey, it could be worse. It could be in Texas. Yeah. So William goes back to the U.S. and he's he he's wearing a sombrero, sure. and he, he gets is. off he gets off the train where the press meets him, and he tells him it's awesome. Everybody is super happy in the Woo! colony. They love their new homes. The weather is amazing. We live in eat. Spring Break Town. <laughs> <laughs> when have so I he, when have I ever lied? You know, me. besides. <laughs> Besides when I tell you I'm Cuban, Mexican, American, and or when black. Has depending Guillermo, on the geography. Guillermo's never lied to anybody. <laughs> so people, this is in the press. Other other people hear it who, you know, are living this nightmare life in the South. And now all these other black people want to go. Oh, God. And they, it's actually so many want to go that they start hanging out by the railroad tracks just waiting for the Paradise trains to come by. Oh my god. And it's and it's just a shit situation. There's no like it's a shit situation. So what is what is the what is the motivation to continue not, to No, what is it with American trains? I mean, there's just <laughs> you just put all the people you don't want in a place in a train and then hope it just doesn't come back. Oh my god, it's so fucking true. Oh god. It is like oh but American solutions are just awful. Hey, it works. What the fuck? <laughs> it, it is like 2021 and where people are still like, we should probably get a train involved to help us. I mean, you, you elected the guy who loves trains. Oh, yeah. yeah he's yeah. definitely going to do some crazy train shit at some point. <laughs> Wait, so why, what, like, why, why, do you, why do you lie if you're him? Well, it's not... The, the the hacienda truly is looking to build them houses and actually Promising, set them up. Right. They just weren't ready. So it's not like it is really that bad. Uh, okay. Like the the plan is actually a, a decent one. Okay. You know. Right. Um. So in March, William bought, brought more people. So there's now 816 workers oh. okay. at the hacienda. Um. They're they're happy at first. They're they're happy even though they're living the way they are. They're like right. this is still fucking much better. Yeah. Uh, one quote: "We are free men under a free government." Yeah, well, there so you that's go. pretty cool. Uh, wait, it's during Next the Porfiriato. Week. That's not no. Well, I mean, to them, I yeah. think to, to them, them, yeah, they they don't have like I think it's the difference between being scared someone's going to lynch you at any time mm-hmm. for doing anything, and then not having that feeling because it's definitely okay. not. It's a it's a dictatorship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, uh, then, but then things start to go south after the 860 people work there. The further south, what they think yeah. it's like Guatemala <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they don't know about irrigation. That's not how they did crops in America. Um, they also, they thought they were going to manage their own time, whereas the Hacienda is like, no, you're going to work in gangs. So, you know, they had been sharecroppers and now, so it's right. a whole, it's a different way Still of working. Set. Right. <clears throat> when their living spaces are, are built, uh, they are uh, uh, no bueno is what, uh, I'm, that's my Spanish. Yeah. yeah. They, they built, they're built in a square. And then it's a plaza situation where all of the all of the buildings are facing inward, and and then there's no windows on the outside because Comanches uh, would attack sometimes. So, so the the black people are like, "Wow, this is this this like this is a prison. This feels like a prison." <laughs> yeah, nope. you're just like looking at other people living. Yeah, yeah, they're like right. this, and then rumors start, and they all start to think they're going to be re-enslaved. Oh shit! Okay, fuck. That is. I mean, that just that shows it's you how a, great a relationship with a white person in America could be. To have <laughs> that that trauma. Truly, though, I mean, to think like, yeah. I mean, you have to be like, oh fuck, of course, you know. Yeah, you're immediately like, this looks like a jail. Yeah. And But it's so funny because it, it's just a simple like. I don't even know if it's a cultural thing as much as just a geographic thing. Like, there's Comanches that attack. Well, they didn't have Comanches attacking them in Tennessee, but. No, no they had white people to take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't outsource that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one part they enjoy. <laughs> oh, nobody, <laughs> but nobody in Mexico was like, by the way, we're going to build it this way because, you know, it's for your own safety. It just, no one thought of that. So right. it starts a whole problem. Some people just leave and they start walking on the railroad tracks back north, 300 miles back to America. Small groups of, quote, half-starved and scantily clad people start arriving in Texas begging for supplies oh, wow. to find their way back to Alabama and Tennessee. Now, back at the Hacienda, summer comes and the workers start to get sick. Okay. They have shooting pain, swollen joints, fever, and diarrhea. And then some start dying. So they send for an American doctor and he comes down and he prescribes mercury and quinine. Oh, yeah. We still do that. (laughs) It's called Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, Mercury is always good to hear a doctor say. Oh, you always want to put poison in your body. Uh, You know what? We're going to give you a little poison to help you out. That ought to do it. Uh, It doesn't work. They keep dying. Uh. 40 have died by July. More people leave. Some go north, follow the railroad tracks. Others go to the closest town. And then they get there and they're sick. And so the Mexican authorities, you know, lock them away and test them and they have smallpox. Oh, shit. Which is bad. I don't know if you know, it's, it's not great. Well, it's better than big pox, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so now this has become an international incident and now U.S. papers are following it. Right. And it's turning up in a thing because they're like the Mexican, Mexican authorities like, why are you sending us people with smallpox? Like, it's a whole fucking you're like you're not sending us your best. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We said workers without smallpox. It was right there in the writing. It was a bad connection on the letter. We didn't see that part. The American uh, President Cleveland getting all this shit and he has the military send rations to these workers okay mexico stops the rations at the border that's irrational and and says no (laughs) 
because they want they want them out of there. They want the U.S. Right. to ship them out. So the U.S. And the U.S. is them. like, all right, look, we got some bananas and uh, some sandwiches <laughs> and some potato chips and milks. That ought to. Yeah. There you go. Fixed it. Enjoy. We get. Yeah, a look, bunch these of bananas lunches. were farmed by their brothers. Hey, they're coming home. It's a reunion story. <laughs> so the uh, the U.S. agrees to uh, bring them back on trains, and they come back. They are quarantined. Uh, near the Rio Grande, outside of Eagle Pass, uh, it's 411 people. Okay, and and then they, after they quarant- after they quarantine and put him in this like camp situation, which is just like yeah fences, the fences. There's nothing else. Well, by the um, way, I mean like to what you were saying about their fear earlier, like they're gonna. I mean, this is at this point like not really much of an existence either. You know, no, it's not great. Yeah, this isn't the paradise train. At yes, all. no, it's not where the paradise mm-hmm. train's supposed to go. So. So they're just trapped in this place. And then the U.S. government, after doing all this, goes, all right, Texas, you take care of them. Now, we all know about Texas. <laughs> they're not big on uh, <clears throat> spending uh, social uh, sort of programs. Yeah. No, I actually, I think they're still using the same tents in Eagle Pass to keep children there now. Uh, like, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> While they go to Cancun. <laughs> So, uh, so they basically, so Texas, they just send four guys to look over them and those guys end up not doing anything because they don't give a shit. So great. Dave, so far it feels like this is being handled really capably. (laughs) In August, the Marine hospital service comes to take over. They have more experience with the quarantining. And then, and and instead of just doing that, they experiment on them with new serums that have never been tested. Uh, this is called mercury. This is hot mercury. <laughs> this is mercury that I slept under for three weeks under a blue moon. We will test this all of This is Delaware them. Punch. <laughs> uh, so 178 get smallpox, 51 die. They, uh, they would be in that camp until um, October. So William is still at the Hacienda with 60 colonists who stayed. Oh, wow. okay. And he heads back to the U.S. and tells the press that the U.S. government was the one who fucked everything up. If the government had not paid to put them on trains and bring them back to the U.S., they each one of them could made between five hundred and a thousand dollars each. But they were the harvest dying, right? Uh, Well, yeah, if somebody dies, you get more money. Like you know, it's oh right, that's right, of course. Simple math. Yeah, that's yeah. Someone's a capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I don't put my capitalist top hat on enough. Uh, yeah, but that, what an amazing, what an amazing claim to be able to make. Like they would have survived if it weren't for the train. Of course, it's bad press. I mean, he whatever he says, people aren't buying at this point. And in the South, the press jumps at the chance to say Mexico is actually the la- the land of slavery for black people. While in the U.S., they have tons of opportunity. Right. Yeah, that, that sounds because, about right. <laughs> and we just have continued to replicate that way of speaking <laughs> in every facet where we just yes. say, no, no, we're better than you. Don't ignore the reality. America. <laughs> the, the Victorian advocate wrote the Hacienda was, quote, prison-like and a thousand times more uh, barbarous than slavery. The Alabama Courier wrote, quote, this is the home of the Negro. He should better accept the Southern sun and cotton fields and make of himself a more useful citizen. Oh my what God. The fuck. Oh God. Uh, All right. Can we, can we, can there be a time travel, uh, 
thing that happens where we can go back and just kill those people. <laughs> I was expecting just find the guy who wrote that and just slit his throat and then and then you come back. Like that's your whole time travel job. You just go kill that guy. <laughs> it was really funny because in my head I thought you were gonna say like how we could change the culture and stuff, but you just want to kill people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how else does a white guy know how to change the culture? <laughs> Very on brand. Very on brand. <laughs> oh, God. That, I mean, that really is what we're just waiting for is that level where it's like white people were the problem. Now white people have to kill them. The call was coming from inside the house. <laughs> it was them all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So obviously during all this discussion in the press, no one asked the black workers what they thought. They're just, Why would they, Dave? The white reporters know what's going on. <laughs> but the 60 colonists who remained became part of the community and uh, their ancestors are there to this day. So William would have made a fortune because his contract was to get a cut of the harvest. So he ends up not. So opportunity lost. So he looks for another way to make money he still has money, so he buys the largest furniture factory in all of Mexico. I thought that's where this was headed. <laughs> right. No, that, 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 yeah. yeah. I had a feeling it was going to, yep, yeah. And he invented the Lazy Boy. And that was a story of the comf most comfortable chair in the world. <laughs> so the, the store, it makes furniture for Americans. Um, and then he also became the Mexican representative for a French weapons manufacturer that supplied Mexico with weapons. Wow. Okay. Okay. So he's working, uh, he's, he's supplying the dictator with weapons. Right. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, that's a good gig. Yeah. Well, it well, also shows you that he's still American. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the boy out of America, but. Exactly right. He's like, I don't know. It's in my blood. It's just in my blood. I will give you guns. What am I seeing? <laughs> I will sell them illegally to you. What the hell? Are you, are you going to use these to kill poor people? Because I'm in. <laughs> uh, so that's the Hotchkiss Arms Company he's working for. And then after he sets these up, he moves to New York City under the name Guillermo E. Elysio. There's less than 300 Mexicans living there and less than 2,000 Cubans. So very few people have bumped into a know a Mexican dude or a Mexican lady, right? It's just not something they're familiar with. So he can easily pass there by saying he's Mexican. Um, people thought Latin America was like the land of riches at this point. Like they just saw it as like, this is this vast land of riches. So he fits the mold, right? He's this rich guy, says he's from Latin America. He has a waxed mustache. He's wearing the top hat. The frock. He has amazing clothes. He wears tons of jewelry. Sure. And he gives out Cuban cigars Again, and he gives top hat is the gateway. It's, <laughs> it's all it's all just because of the top hat. He junked once. The top hat was always always for rich guys until slash. And then everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's the yeah. downfall, yeah? yeah? Ruined it for everyone. Well, that's the end of that. <laughs> uh, he also would give out jewelry to other rich guys' wives. Like, here's a, like, he's just acting like he's filthy rich from Latin America. He's like, I'm a super rich Latin American dude. So, what? Oh, yeah, that's an ice cream truck. Sorry, guys. 
That's amazing. You guys want to yep. take an ice cream break? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. What time, what time is it there? It's 2 p.m. And and how how hot is it? Uh, right now it's uh, like 22, 24 yeah. uh, Celsius, which is about not, 60, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Not so not. So it's kind of ice cream. Ice cream-ish yeah. weather. Ish. Those, they start yeah. early. You know, you need, to, yeah. you need to get in the game early. Yeah. If this is Scotland, early. that's a that's a drug truck. Is that a drug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right. So he's trying to pass himself off as a super rich, upper class Latin American dude. So Cuba has been fighting Spain for independence for a while. And Americans follow the action because they're they some of them want to uh, make Cuba a state. Some just, you know, love the fighting. They hate Spain. Cuban revolutionaries are super respected. Everyone loves them. And in 1897, William has an article published in a paper stating he was the leader of a Mexican group who went to Cuba and joined with the Cuban insurgents and fought with them. Sure. Well, there you go. Okay. It's on the it's in the paper. Yep. Now it happened. Now it happened. (laughs) Basically, fact. Quote, Ellis has the rank of captain in the insurgent army. He will return to Mexico in a short time to plot another expedition to Cuba. What? Yeah. So he's so, like a soldier. So things have taken it. Well, in his mind, he's a soldier, but things have now taken a delusional turn, right? Yeah. Well, okay. no, it's, it's still just all the deception. In interviews, he says Cuba will be free. He's always like, Cuba libre. Like he's just always on, he's on point with all this stuff. Oh my god! Uh, he he hangs the in, in, the Cuban insurrection leader's portrait in his office. Like he oh, gets come a big, on, this is like Alaria. <laughs> <laughs> this is fake until you make it. Yep. to yeah. Cuba. That's right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Cuban press is now just calling him a successful businessman in Cuba and Mexico and an insurrecto. So he's 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 done it. Like everyone is on board. Right. Now Cubans are considered the whitest of the Latin Americans. So William is trying to up his white status by now being Cuban, right? right. He's like, I'm going up okay. the ladder. Right. Um, Mexicans are legally white. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank oh, you. Oh, all right. Yeah. No idea. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, so a judge Where's my actually... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, judge, a judge actually ruled that Mexicans were white... A judge? Legally. I find Mexicans <laughs> to be white. There we are. That's the end of that. All right. Next case. Yeah, somebody uh, go tell the Mexicans, please. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, what? Welcome okay, to race so- court. <laughs> this is uh, race horse. Now stand next to him, please. Yeah. And so we may is, begin. Is this like a thing like, you know, that show The Voice where you just stand there, you uh, talk, and then like somebody from each race just turns yeah, their chair and like, no, yeah. you're ours. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called The Race. <laughs> the fuck? He said I'm Chinese. The fuck is this? <laughs> so, so what had happened was a... A dude who had immigrated from Mexico had been living in the States forever and he and he wanted to become a citizen. And then it, and then someone was like, well, you're not white. And it turned into this whole thing. And the judge right. legally says, no, you're legally white. Right. So he can become legally a white is a great name for a TV. Show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rom com. It turned into legally blonde right? eventually, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
His uh, dad went left and his mom went right, but this guy, he's legally white. He's legally white. He's legally white. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, this is what the judge, the judge also said, quote, if the strict scientific classification of an anthropologist should be adopted, he would probably not be classified as white. But legally... What this judge? Like oh, that. <laughs> what? So does he? If he gets stopped in the street, like if you know, just because he's, um, let's assume he's driving. Uh, yeah, I know there's no cars <laughs> then, but let's. He just gets pulled over for not being white. And he's like, no, wait, I got license, registration, and proof that I'm white. I've got Look, it. officer, right scientifically, I'm not white, but legally, yes. <laughs> Here's well, my card. And that's what counts. Yes. Because we don't believe chief. in science. This is America. <laughs> You're lucky so, we hate science because uh, <laughs> you are now legally white. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good rest of your day there, legally white fella. <laughs> uh, oh, so uh, William meets this uh, super gorgeous white actress named Fane Strahan, and he's really into her. Now, she's actually conning him in what was known as the Badger Game, where she would, uh, after a little while, get him in a very compromising position in a hotel or whatever, and then her And then reveal she was a badger? I'm using your clothes to build my home. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Ah, oh, I'm going to take it. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I don't know why it was, but it was basically, uh, it doesn't make sense at all. Anyway. <laughs> so the husband, the husband busts in and is like, hey, and it catches him in this position with his wife. And because adultery is such a big deal, like it, it could legitimately ruin a rich dude. Right. He would, he, they would say like, give us money and we won't talk about it. And well, then little did they know it. if they just hung out in the bar, he would have given you a bunch of rings anyway. <laughs> cigars, yeah. yeah. Why not? So after she worked William for months, she apparently realized that he was a black dude. She couldn't say she'd be hanging with a black guy. Right. So she just moved on to another guy. She didn't, it would cause too much trouble if, if for her. So for if, him, this was just a real relationship that ended. Right. I he mean, basically, he was in yeah. The midst of a con the whole time, like he was like, we broke no up. idea. She's a good girl, though. She really is <laughs> top notch, <laughs> trustworthy. She is not yeah. like those badgers, you know. They do. Uh, <laughs> my buddy got screwed by a badger couple the other day. I'll tell you, boy. Oh my God! Those claws took his balls off. Uh, the husband badger came in. He clawed the shit out of him. Uh, <laughs> and some lady married a badger. I don't know. Anyway, take it easy. Have a ring. Uh, so they move on to another mark, but that dude is the rare dude who doesn't pay them off and has them arrested. Oh wow! Okay. Oh. So uh, now there's a trial, and he has to testify. But he testifies, you know, looking like he top hat. He does this whole fucking thing, and no one thinks anything of it. But then later in the trial, they someone says that the husband guy called him a Negro at some point, and now there's now everyone's worried. But not she, because he said the word, but because they think he's actually black. <laughs> <laughs> USA. <laughs> 
they they everyone thinks he's Cuban, and then right. and then it comes up in testimony that someone he called him be, black, and now and now it's a that concern. Is, that is now what is more important than the grifting couple. Fuck yeah, and for her too, because the actress is like he absolutely is not black because she doesn't want people knowing. Oh, that's still going on, right? Okay. Yeah, because she doesn't want people to know that she went back. Yeah, she's like, I can't have my race grade drop. You know the world we live in. (laughs) And then her mother comes down to talk to the press to say he's definitely Cuban. He's definitely Cuban. Trust me, I don't need. I I believe me, he's Cuban. There will be no questions as to how I know, but trust me. And somehow he manages to get away with it. Now, around this time, he goes into business with a guy who was buying up water companies all over New York called the Westchester Water Company. So it's a great idea. Uh, We're still doing it today, but you buy water and then you charge people for something that the earth makes. It's really cool. Yeah. And uh, they make millions and William is now rich. He's a fucking super rich guy living uh, on... Central Park West. He he still keeps in contact with but his family, which is the more money yeah. he makes, the top hat gets bigger, right? Yes. Like it always gets larger. Yeah. Each each right. each hundred thousand, it goes up and up and up. So he's got a very tall hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he stays in contact with his family, which is super rare for a black person passing in these days. Usually, okay. you cut them off because you don't want anything coming up that can ruin the whole gig. But he stays in contact. Um, it, it's actually at this time it was called going to the other side. That's what black sure. people called it. So they'd be like, what happened to Frank? I haven't seen him anymore. Well, Frank went to the other side, meaning, right. Oh, he's wearing now. a top hat now. <laughs> oh, I, see. Oh, I get it. Oh, oh, good old sorry. Frank. Happens Happy to the for best him. of him. <laughs> yeah. So he is, he's now passing as a white guy. That's what that means. And basically departed their life. That's why he went to the other side. He's gone. Right. Um, but William's the rare exception who still writes letters and sends money and stays in contact. He's like a ghost. That's right. Right. He meets Maud Sherwood in 1903 and they get married. Uh, the announcement says that they met in England and she's from nobility. Sure. Uh, she's actually from Jersey city. Oh, oh, nobility yeah. Jersey though. <laughs> <laughs> right next door to Hoboken. <laughs> you got to go to the nobility mall. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, her dad, her dad was actually a dock worker, and she's white. While it's not illegal to marry someone of another race in New York, it's also not uh, smiled upon. Um, sure, cops at this time would raid clubs that were known as black and tan clubs because that's oh. where white women and black men would hang out. Uh, I mean, like, have cops ever really, like, had a lot to do? Like, you know what I mean? There's so many things going on, and then they always have time for the non-useful side shit. Oh, there's a white woman! Get her out of here! Hey, you stop talking to each other, human beings! (laughs) Bank is being robbed over there. Don't you worry about that. No, 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 I gotta stop that guy from smoking that plant! Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Uh, they're doing what they want. Oh, good. Good for them. So uh, Maud has to have known. Uh, his sister would visit. They had a niece that would stay with him for the summers. 
and Maude doesn't seem to have any family at all. Her dad died three weeks before the marriage. She had no family at the wedding. So I think easy, easy for her to get away with it too. So after the wedding, William goes to England uh, to attend the coronation of Edward the seventh. Sure. Uh, and now we know well, now we know Edward's incredibly racist. That whole family is. So <laughs> you mean because right. The news I love that people right. are shocked that the royals are racist. Like, oh my god, I can't believe this. The people I can't believe the, the, that the people who would rather fuck their own cousins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The people now, who fucked their own cousins and who collected heads off from from indigenous people all over the world. It turns out they're racist. Yeah. Shocker. Is- It was tough. Leave it to Oprah Uh, to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. That's right. Uh, So he's there and he meets an Ethiopian general who has been sent by the emperor of uh, Ethiopia and quickly becomes super focused on going to Ethiopia. And he starts, he starts conversations. Man, Ethiopia sounds great. (laughs) Well, Ethiopia is like, go there. Ethiopia is like the only place that hasn't been conquered. The emperor is a super strong leader. Like it's right. a it's a legit thing. So he starts cozying up to uh, this guy Francis Loomis, who's a U.S. Secretary of State. He wants to get a diplomatic purpose for going. So he wants to make it like official, so he can get more press for doing it. <laughs> and then he finds out that there's already an official department trip planned. So he wants to make sure he gets there first. So he leaves like three weeks before it's supposed to go. And you have to go like on camel for three weeks across a desert. Like it's a fucking hell, hell trip. The press write, of course, like he wanted that William is paving the way for establishing relations between the U.S. and Ethiopia. Sure. Right. Like if there was Twitter back then, he would have like 15 million followers. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. 100%. Like he's just getting it done how, by any means yeah. necessary. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's, if he is looking to, looking to modernize and he sees another opportunity and he, he's talking about colonization again, bringing black people to Ethiopia. Oh boy. Wait, what? And. Oh boy. <laughs> they correct that. Say, they come correct. again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> black Americans. <laughs> he goes to Ethiopia and he's like, I got a great idea. I'm going to bring black people here. Like, dude, I got a really- <laughs> Oh, just you wait, buddy. Just you wait. (laughs) No, they're not like yours. (laughs) Uh, So he also pitches the idea of of Ethiopia having a national bank, which William would run for them. Sure. Well, I mean, how are you going to say no to the top hat guy? (laughs) Can't. You can't. can't. I'd like to run your bank. We were just thinking the same goddamn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody makes sense but you. Uh, So, and this is the first time that being black is an asset, right? So I couldn't find that he, what what he called himself, but I'm imagining he, he would just be like, I'm William Ellis, and then just, Everyone assume he's a black dude, right? I don't think he'd be there like, I'm Mexican here. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he he brings his nephew, Charles, who has just moved to New York to work in William's office and is now calling himself Carlos Alicio Ostanes. All right. Sure. So that was so, uh, an- another Mexican or Cuban dude. Oh, no, he's born in Monterey, Mexico. So he's he's a Mexican gentleman. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, we've been burned. We're like, he's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Another fraudulent Mexican. Probably not even his nephew. He's probably just some random kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So William comes back from Ethiopia in early 1904 and, again, meets reporters at the dock. And he says he's made agreements uh, for the Americans to uh, take over the diamond mines, 200,000 acres of land. And, quote, I shall establish the Royal Bank of Abyssinia and control the financial affairs of the country. Now, none of this is agreed upon. He's just that it's his hope. Yeah. Okay. The secret. Yeah. He's just manifesting. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you know, he's going to establish a colony. And Mexico's uh, going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he probably learned to manifest from the white people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> what is this thing of bullshit? You're, we're not bullshitting. This is called manifesting. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Interesting, white. Uh, and he tells him he's going to establish a colony for uh, American black people to move there. So he tries to get this Loomis guy from the State Department to send him back with the treaty that has been agreed upon. But Loomis instead picks his brother Kent to bring the treaty. So then William starts trying to buddy up to Kent as much as possible. Okay. And pretty soon they're two pieces in a pod. They're always hanging out together. <laughs> they stay together in white, white only hotels where William would say he's Hawaiian. <laughs> Why add another one into the mix? You already have like six. Yeah, it's you have like no six idea. mental passports already. Where are you gonna keep the other one? Yeah. It's like when Mike Myers or like Eddie Murphy play a bunch of parts in the movie. Like it's just that's what he's doing with this. He's like, I'm everything. I play everything. Yeah, that's what we, we need a movie about. This guy, you know, portrayed by Eddie Murphy. That's what yeah. we need now. Yeah. yeah. And the fart jokes would be hilarious. <laughs> You didn't roll your R uh, on fart there. I did. Fart. Yeah, yes. now that's hot. So in June, Kent and William head for Ethiopia together on a steamer, and they get along great, right? Uh, uh, on the final night, not on the final night, they're in uh, England, and they're, they dine together, and William goes back to the room, and the next morning, Kent is missing. Oh, and his so body now is found. And his check under your hat. <laughs> <laughs> his body is found four weeks later oh, with shit. a circular a circular wound behind his ear. Now he could have been hit over the head with something, or he could have fallen and hit his head on a boat fitting. Okay, now, that's unfortunate. I don't know if you guys know anything about the United United States of America, but we really love conspiracies. So, oh, do you now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So people, yeah. So people are running with William killed Kent. Part of that is also because of William Pacific month monthly quote. What greatly increases the mystery of the affair was the presence on the vessel of one W H Ellis, a Hawaiian or Negro (laughs) of, of fabulous fortune. Why should a messenger bearing a treaty paper from this government to another, choose for his companion and assist a man of queer antecedents and off color as to his skin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Jesus Christ. So, of course, right? It's titillating to the American public. Like, oh, this guy might be black. This is so fun. Like, everyone's running with the story. 
It's also no. So wait, is this going to end up with uh, somebody from that paper inventing Reddit, or where is this going? (laughs) 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 So they also note that uh, William and Kent were always together, intimate friends, and shared a stateroom on the steamer. Right. The only thing steaming harder than the boat was their bromance. So, as usual, people hang out with William back him, right? Because they can't. It's the same thing. This, this is the crazy. I mean, this is so <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, right. Same thing. No, so, don't you see? He has to stay that race or our race changes too. <laughs> that's, like, that's like in a movie preview. If his race shifts, all of our races shift. They're getting handed keys from Machu Picchu now. You know what that's going to do to us? Uh, guys, our rating, our race rating is going to drop. <laughs> so Loomis comes out and defends William, dismissing the conspiracy. Uh, of course, Texas is Texas. The right. Fort Worth Telegram, quote, it seems that Loomis's companion, W.H. Ellis, was formerly a Negro politician and promoter in this section of Texas and was born and reared in Victoria. In these write-ups, he is generally credited with being a Cuban, but here he is known as a Negro. He is, in fact, quite dark. Jeez. So they're really reporting on the important shit of the Obviously, murder. Right, yeah. yeah. That was from last week's uh, paper, right? <laughs> yeah, that's from the that's from the New York Times. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So after uh, Kent's death, he he continues on the trip and he delivers the treaty to the emperor, and the emperor gives him back a bunch of animals to give to President Roosevelt: a zebra, baboons, ostriches, a lion. You know, just usual stuff. We accept cool. yeah. the treaty. Go take your president some baboons. Thank you. <laughs> They're over there by the corner. They bite. Beware. <laughs> a trap trap. Like, uh, is there any way I could take back a less vicious killing animal? <laughs> no, no. You'll just take this cage of baboons. You'll love them. How there attached you are you to your face? Because, you know, they <laughs> might take it off. Look and at their the red butt. <laughs> they hate water. Have a good trip back. <laughs> <laughs> baboons. Mr. Uh, President, I have a bunch of rabid baboons to give you. <laughs> Here you are. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I, I wish it were, sir. No. Oh, damn it. Uh, no, this is the real deal. <laughs> so uh, he gets back to the U.S. in October 1904. So it should be this huge, successful trip, right? He delivered the treaty for the U.S., but it's all about Kent's death and his racial status. Right. A black playwright around this time writes a musical about a black comedian who gets caught up in a colony scam and during the play he throws a con man overboard a ship oh, <laughs> so, oh. <well. laughs> very poignant yeah uh, he, what a creative mind <laughs> so popular culture is like you know catching on yeah. In 1905, the census is taken, and census takers only recorded one black person living in uh, William's house, a maid. So he's now officially white. Uh, he got both. He got both. Uh, sorry, he got birth certificates and other documents to establish that he's white f- for his kids and him, and and then they'd later have three kids who were alive. A couple mm-hmm. that didn't do that. And uh, 
so they had so now he's officially on like recorded as white okay, and again yeah. he's like they, they took a picture of him and he was wearing khakis and they're like oh yeah definitely you are white. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had so many pairs of khakis oh mm. he's playing hacky sack all right, <laughs> all right. legally um, white so yeah he's uh so this is a really big deal and i think that even though the word is out there that he's black, he's made so many connections now with rich people that no one's going to want to say that he's a black guy. Like he's now, he's living right. in that thing where no one wants to be ashamed for having been duped, right? It's this crazy. It's <laughs> the most beautiful racist loophole ever. Like, <laughs> oh, you're fucked, man. Because if you say that I'm black, then it's, you're fucked. It, it is amazing. It's an amazing racetrack. Of your really black friends, is. shut up, William. Shut up. You know I'm black. Stop saying that, William. Come on now, we're friends. You know it's his own version of the Badger game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now he moves to Mount Vernon, which is a very white suburb of New York. His boys' names are changed. Guillermo Jr. becomes Ermo. That like what? why the. F- what? <laughs> that is well, the craziest. I'm guessing at the time, Irma wasn't as popular as it is today. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, son. I got your back. Your name's now Irma. Okay, who's next? <laughs> I'm, naming, I'm naming my children Muppets. I'm inventing Muppet names over here. <laughs> this, you're uh, tickling Carlos, me Irma. Carlos becomes Sherwood. You're Sherwood, and you're in charge of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now William starts having money problems. None of the plans with Ethiopia come through. Then in 1905, he gets sued by two neighbors living next door to the Mexico, Mexico city factory, because it turns out the factory has been closed for a while and they want the factory windows facing their houses bricked up because it's abandoned. Right. Okay. Is that something you guys do in Mexico? Is you sue people to brick up windows? Uh, I I don't know. I don't. I've never done it, so maybe I'm not Mexican now. This is a weird way to find out. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to stay Mexican, otherwise that affects Dave and I. <laughs> do not change your goddamn race. I've already uh, told people. <laughs> <laughs> my whole reputation is on the line. Oh my god. Uh. So. So they want that. So that goes. That goes to. That goes to court. Um, he loses the case, and then another Mexican businessman sues him over a mortgage, and a U.S. guy sues him over a mine. Another guy sues him because he hasn't paid rent in his Mexico office for a while. Then the Mexican government comes after him for Jesus. not paying taxes on the factory. Right. A court orders the factory to be auctioned to pay debt. So he's just. It's fallen apart. And in 1909, he got into a fight with a bill collector in his Wall Street office, like a fist fight. And the collector's eye was injured and he sued William for assault. That's um, another then, bill. <laughs> then, an eye for an eye. That's how it works. No, it's normal. And then, and then he had a daughter. Because okay, sure. this is a good time to have a kid. I want to bring someone into this nightmare with me. <laughs> yes. Uh, his daughter's name is Victoria. Um, and so it's 1909. So 19, this is when Mexico goes into, uh, ch- it's just a shit show. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, remember that guy, Porfirio? Yeah. Yeah, so all of William's fortunes are tied to uh, Porfirio uh, Diaz staying in power. And this is when he doesn't stay in power. Right. So just before Diaz is ousted, William signs a 10-year contract to produce rubber and makes a deal to build a hydropower dam. He also goes and buys the debt the Mexican government owes to two British guys. So he's everything's fucking tied up in Mexico and he transfers the debt to a company he owns and sells shares and then uses that money to hire lawyers to go after the Mexican government to pay the debt. What? So he's okay. just deep in, he's deep yeah. in all this shit. It's a shell game. He could be super crazy rich, right? With these three things. Right. If Diaz wasn't ousted, Diaz is ousted. And that's <laughs> when, and that's when the, it's called the Mexican Revolution, right? But it's like yep, ten yep. years of just fucking, uh, just madness and all. Oh, kinds we of shit we going started on. it. It hasn't ended. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely started it. I can tell you that. And there were bullets and and revolution, and, and then we just we forgot to say like, are we like finished the whole shit? Thing? Yeah, uh, Joe always says that you know, uh, as Mexicans, when we celebrate like the start of things, like we celebrate Mexican independence on the day it started, and the Mexican Revolution on the day it started, because we don't really know when they ended, and <laughs> if they did, if they, they're, they're still going. I don't think they ever end. I think that's one of the. Th I think they. Yeah. I, they're very careful to be like everything's different. Shh, we still live here. We'll <laughs> slowly, you fuckers. I think we've. I think we've learned America's has not ended. Um, oh God, yeah. Yeah. So, so a brief su summary. Uh, and everything. And William, during all of this, is trying to shift with each new government, each new person in power. He's trying to sidling to up do, again. Yeah. So this is over 10 years. Diaz is overthrown. Madero elected president. Huerta overthrows Madero. There's a bunch of fighting. Carranza defeats Pancho Villa in the Battle of 1915. Same time, Pancho Villa gets mad at the U.S. for not backing him anymore, and he's attacking America, and then America is sending troops in to attack Pancho Villa. There's a new constitution in 1917, then a rebellion by Sonoran generals. Then Zapata is killed. And during all this, William is trying to make allegiances to oh. keep his deals going. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. He's like a sitcom character at a restaurant with three dates. He's just like, <laughs> 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 oh. All right, Zapata's finally on my side. He just died. Yeah, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so the hydropower contract was killed in 1913 at there were times where different leaders like two guys are vying for control and they're both telling him to pay taxes on for the same property to both of them like it's just completely wow. it's a shit show right in 1916 the bureau of investigation which eventually becomes the fbi starts investigating william for quote Mexican revolutionary matters. So the U.S. is not happy with what's happening in Mexico because it's not going the way that, that we want. And uh, and so now they're like, what's this guy doing down there? He's connected to all these people. So agents survey his offices. And so they're like, okay, we're looking for a black guy, a Hawaiian guy, a Cuban guy, <laughs> a Mexican guy, and an American. They're all working together. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you seen a white Hawaiian Mexican black man who's Cuban? <laughs> he's wearing a top hat. He's got a top hat and he's handing rings out. 
The sketch artist is like, this is really not easy to do. <laughs> like, struggling so hard here. So they, they break into his offices and they search them. They can't find anything to connect him to radicals. But agents said he was, quote, apparently a Negro married to a white woman. <sighs> or maybe a Mexican. Or the illegitimate son of some white woman in Texas. So they... <laughs> Okay. They're going through this yeah. office. They're like, what the fuck? Hey, he surfs. He surfs. Does that mean? I think he's Hawaiian. I don't know. <laughs> uh, sir, I know you just established he was black, but I'm establishing he's white over here. So I don't know what we're doing. Hey, I got I got have some notes that said he was with a badger. The fuck is this guy doing, man? Right, everyone relax. We're looking for a Cuban badger with a white mom. <laughs> Very simple. Hey, I got a picture of a guy in khakis and a sombrero right here. Jesus Christ. All right. He's a white Mexican badger boy, Cuban white mom. Okay. <laughs> Let's just go by the top hat. I think that'll be fast. Uh, so in Mexico, uh, as Obregón took over, Carranza fled Mexico City on a train in 1920. So I'm going to have to stop you there because Car Carranza actually has two R's, so you have to, ah, you know, fuck. roll them harder. It's a double R. Carranza, yeah. It's a nightmare, <laughs> Dave. Hit I, I think you meant nightmare. That, that. <laughs> oh. So what anyway, you were saying it? about Carranza, Dave? It was Carranza. Yeah. Oh my God, that was sexy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so William is on the train as it flees Mexico City, right? So Carranza's making a fucking run for it, probably to the U.S. I would assume. Carranza. Thank you. He's yeah. he's he's fleeing Mexico City. Abragon has taken over, and on the train, uh, they're fleeing the country. William gets Carranza to sign a deal for a port agreement. What, what the fuck? What the wow. closer? The closer. <laughs> I mean, come on. What is he doing? You know what would be great is if I could get that port deal. He's like, what? What? <laughs> Would've kill me. Yeah, I know. If you could just and there's two more pages to sign him when you got an initial. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, so so he fuck, he does it. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> So the deal is he's going to build a port and he'll be one of five guys <laughs> controlling it. And it's just the, the train is then stopped by Abragon's forces and uh, Carranza runs off into the fucking hills, or whatever he, he gets caught in his escape and executed. William makes a white flag out of sheets, bed sheets on the train. <laughs> Somehow that gets him out of getting killed or captured and then he takes a car off the train because the train was a loot train. They were just taking all of their loot, money and fucking fancy cars oh. and shit. They're trying to escape with all this goods. And so he takes this fancy fucking car and steals it and drives off to the United States. Wow. What? You have got to be kidding me. That is those cops like, all right, cool. The only thing we're missing is William and one of the cars. And then outside of that, we've got everything we came here to get, gentlemen. <laughs> Does anyone have eyes on that car, William? If you see a car with a top hat, just stop it. <laughs> this is any car with a top hat. So, um, all right, great. Well, we killed Carranza. What color is the car? Oh, fuck, we don't know. <laughs> well, it's a white beige coupe 
that is a midsize that is also got a lot of tint on it and is playing Mexican music with a, a man, white man singing. And the license plate is obviously from uh, Cuba. Okay? So keep your eyes open and we will find him. Uh, so the U.S. bans all loans from uh, U.S. banks to Mexico. So the U.S. doesn't like that Abragon has taken over. They're against him. So now William goes out and he pushes very publicly for the U.S. to help Mexico. He's doing like a PR campaign. He gives an interview to the New York Times, which said he, quote, knows Mexicans. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've yeah, seen them. It's a yeah. lot of them down there. I've yeah. been one for three summers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it takes one to know one, and I know one, and I am one. <laughs> sort of. And, uh... In 1923, uh, William somehow convinces Abragon that the Mexican port plan will work. <laughs> and so Abragon is now on board. There's going to be four ports built with lower custom duties to attract business, so again, he's got a new fucking somehow after all of this revolution and all these fucking guys and, and leading the country and stole a car dying. and left the country. And now that guy's like, that's a good deal. Yeah, he's on a fucking money escape train and now he's back in business. Wow. He's he's now in his late 50s. Uh, and he goes at one point, he goes back to Mexico on a train, but he has to get off in Monterey because he's not feeling well. And he gets treatment for two uh, for two days for a bladder issue. And then he goes to Mexico City. It gets worse in Mexico City. Uh, he writes his sister, quote, please do not let anyone know that I had a fainting spell the other night. The doctor says that I am worked down and that if I do not get out of this climate within two or three days, my heart will stop. So now he's 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 taking trips. He feels bad in Mexico City, and he'll take a trip to the coast, which is a much lower altitude, which is supposed to make him feel better, and then he'll come back. But it's not. It turns out that's not actually a medical plan. <laughs> oh, it's not? <laughs> Damn. You suffer from equator titus. <laughs> uh, so he writes his sister. He'd, quote, wake up and find the bed covered with blood. Now that... Where oh, he got his period so late in life? That's oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's going to be the ultimate twist in this story. Oh, yeah. Right. He's a Cuban man who has period. He's a white boy. You understand? Uh, he said in the letter that he feared the worst, which is pretty reasonable if you're waking up in a yeah. blood-covered yeah. bed. Ah, oh, this is not I great. fear the worst. I fear they're going to find out I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so, right. So, like I said, he's, he's making all these trips to Veracruz. Uh, and after years of avoiding the American colony, he checks into the American hospital. Uh, that's how f- fucking scared he is. And then he dies on Wait September until he gets 24th. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What? A thousand dollars for two grams of mercury? What the yeah. fuck is this? What's a mercury distribution system? It's a spoon. <laughs> that's a spoon, and that's two thousand dollars. <laughs> so he just died. He died on September twenty fourth, nineteen twenty three. Uh, most papers wrote flattering tributes, sorry, obituaries, 
the black press, however, so there's there's in America there's white papers and black papers. Um, and the black press, which has long avoided discussing his passing because they were just like, hey, he fucking got away with it. Good for him. <laughs> they start writing the truth now that he's dead. The New York Age obit headline, William Henry Ellis, a colored man. So the black papers are like, all right, now let's show you guys how fucking stupid you are. And y'all thought. Ha, 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 ha. That was the main <laughs> front the page. Headline? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, the Chicago Defender praised him for both becoming a very successful passer and also staying connected to his family. And then white papers now started writing. So at first, white papers were like, oh, this, this white guy or Cuban guy or whatever died. And now they're like, oh, okay. So Time says he claimed to be Cuban, even though he was born in Texas. The AP, and this was in tons of papers, the AP quote, Ellis was either a Cuban or of mixed per, uh, parentage, but he preferred to be known as a Cuban. So everyone's just kind of going, yeah, this guy's not who he was. Uh, he's buried in an unmarked grave in Mexico City in the Spanish cemetery. And that, and the reason he was buried there is because he had no money and they couldn't ship his body home. Mm. He died broke. Mm. He left Maude $5,000, which is about $75,000 today, but also tons of debt. Mm. He hadn't paid property taxes uh, on the house since 1919. He had taken out a second mortgage. So Irmo goes down to Mexico City to try to salvage. <laughs> Sorry, the still Irmo. I love Irmo. <laughs> I will break up those windows, father. Hey, Mexico, goes, I'm here to make a deal. <laughs> Irmo goes to Mexico to try to find the rest of his name. <laughs> Anyone's seen it? Oh, it's Irmolito. <laughs> uh... A year later, Irmo dies of typhus in the exact same hospital as dad did oh, at 22. Oh, now, with zero money, Maud is just looking for anything, and she takes her three kids, and she goes to Mexico. It's just supposed to be a temporary trip uh, to try to take, deal with his Mexican estate, and they never leave. His daughter, Victoria, becomes one of the premier dancers in Mexico, appearing in films and on stage, and then goes to uh, do choreography in tons of movies. Sherman becomes a newspaper editor in Mexico City. Uh, he also dies young at typhus. And then his other son, Fernando, works in a medical lab and raises a family. And now, uh, you know, they just live the Mexican life from there on out. Hmm. Whoa. The American dream. Yeah. <laughs> American dream. <laughs> Leave America. <laughs> Oh my God! It, this is one of the. I just reading this. This is. I was just like God. It. I just. The race shit in America is just so fucking. Well, I mean, not it, just dumb, but it's so complicated. To this but point. also, what it does. Ugh. What it does to. What, like really, it does show the impact on the psyche of what like races. I mean, it just. I mean, if if you want fairness, which is to be expected, and you live in this country where the amount of racism is so in your face and overwhelming, you know, you are almost, you make it, you can make a good argument for doing what someone does like that, where you just are trying constantly to just not experience racism. Probably stresses, I mean, I can't imagine how stressed out he was. Like, imagine if you ran, if you're him and you ran into someone at a bar and you didn't remember, you know what I mean? You're like, who yeah. the fuck am I? But it's oh yeah, done. it's done because like this country just drives people fucking crazy. 
I just anyway, love that he I'll threw in Hawaiian. I love that he yeah. threw in Hawaiian after a while. Yeah, like, oh. he got a little cocky there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was really. If he had lived like a full life, who knows how many more he had left? Like so many more races he could have been. But dude knew dude knew how to fucking pull the the capitalist grift game, right? He was just yeah. constantly fucking working shit. Yeah, I mean, completely. You know. So that I, makes him white, then. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's the F. Night That makes it legally yeah. white. Yeah, that Full makes it legally circle. white. You know, at the end of the day, he conned a lot of people successfully. He was white. <laughs> um, crazy, uh, this, was based, this was based on the strange career of William Ellis, the Texas slave who became a Mexican millionaire by Carl Jacoby. Fucking crazy story, man. Crazy. Yeah, and I mean, just to do the research on it, and then you, you know, you're seeing all these papers claiming, oh no, he's Cuban, I oh, know he's Mexican. Like that must be confusing as fuck. It's it's really it was it was it, I had to go back. This is one of the only books I've had to go back and try and figure out stuff because I was getting so confused. Like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just a, the fucking god i mean I, and also just like being in texas at that time and trying to walk that line of black white white uh white texan mexican american like it's just like this f- fucking it's a yeah. shit show it's a fucking shit show and then like no cubans are better you're like what is happening yeah <laughs> yeah well that's the other thing too like for it is sort of what we were saying before it is the amazing white person predicament when you've befriended someone of another race under false pretenses, but now <laughs> I have to stick with your befriending because it affects your race status. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, at no point is anyone like, hey, isn't this fucking bonkers? Yeah, they're not like, oh, wait, what's like, a racist? This guy's great. Yeah, and we right. can be friends, isn't it? No, they're like, oh, no, you, I've been hoodwinked. You lied to me. You told to me you were French. You lied to me, you non-white. I came you from my sandwich. Yeah. And now <laughs> Yeah. I gave you from my sandwich. I gave you Sir! I gave you from my sandwich. <laughs> that's how I imagine white people. I think that's pretty that. fair. <laughs> I respect you, I, I white man. It, I picture it real clearly. I give I you gave from you. my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Have some of the meat that's hanging off the end. <laughs> Now, do you guys, when you're, when you're going to school, as kids, do you learn about American history? No. Uh, I mean, what we learn is uh, we learn about the Alamo a little bit, and then we <laughs> learn about <laughs> yeah. the 13 yeah. colonies. We do yeah. learn about we that. Learn, yeah, we learn a bit uh-huh. about, you know, the, the early colonies, and then we learn uh, also about, like, the, when, you know, we have these things uh, here in Mexico called uh, Los Niños Héroes, like the hero children. The boy heroes. The, the boy heroes. And uh, basically, when uh, the U.S. invaded Mexico right around the revolution, there were supposedly they stormed the uh, Chapultepec Castle in Mexico City. And these kids that were, you know, just, you know, in the military, they just stood up and fought and they all died. But that's made up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. There's the, 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 the most famous one. His name is Juan Escutia. And the, the legend goes that he wrapped himself in the Mexican flag and jumped to his own death. Because he said know. the battle's over, but they will never take our flag. And so yeah. he jumped and killed, but that, that didn't happen. 
<laughs> Once you get older, you'll find out like, oh, that's just patriotic bullshit that they he, teach us in school. He fell. He tripped. He was trying to, he was <laughs> yeah. trying to spelunk. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what happened. But yeah, no, yeah, that, that's about as much American history as we're taught. Yeah, but we don't get like the whole racial issues and everything. You learn that. Well, we learn it because we live in Juarez and El Paso and, and yeah. we, we get all the media and everything. But as in history class, you do not see that. Same here. Same in this. Yeah, we like. I I find. (laughs) Truly, I've never done like. "Eh, Don't worry about that part. And now, (laughs) 1909. (laughs) I mean, for us, the only thing you know about Mexico is is like, well, they had to leave California, uh, and then that's ours. And then we took (laughs) we took some other parts down there, and also they killed us at the Alamo, and we're not going to forget. Yeah, that's yeah. They weren't using this part, so uh, we took it, and yeah. But yeah. it's the same over here, right? We're I just we just talked about Santana a few episodes back in Legendary Legends. It's the same bullshit. I mean, Mexico's like, we need money. Hey, Texas, it's full of Mexicans and they're not paying taxes. So let's go over there and ask them for taxes. And the Mexicans and the Tejanos are like, dude, we've been surviving in the desert. Now you want money? Fuck you. And then <laughs> yeah. that started a whole war. And <laughs> and Mexico lost it. <laughs> but it was because of taxes. Yeah. I mean same bullshit every, all the time from every government, always. It's fascinating because your guys' history is really fucking fascinating. And it's sad that we don't learn it because it's really like you start. I started reading this and I was like, I would really like to fucking spend like a year just reading about Mexican history because it's fucking crazy and cool and interesting and terrible. And, you know, it's it's like us. It's like just madness. Yeah, totally. And then and what is that's where the revolution kind of ended and it was signed yeah right here where we're standing and th- that whole story you're gonna love it dude it's 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 just hilarious crazy <laughs> crazy um well this is fucking great I yeah it really was yeah. yeah thank you for having yeah. us yeah i had a blast that was a great story by let's the way let's start a new podcast called legally white <laughs> <laughs> Eduardo Espinosa and Jose Antonio Badia of uh, Legendary Legends and El Dollop. Please check out their podcast uh, if you understand Spanish, obviously. Even if you don't, give it a shot. Yeah, you can learn it that way. Yep. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 